0: Alright. I had fun with last week's sermon. I wanted to do it. It was Super Bowl Sunday. I got to talk about the Patriots. I hadn't talked about them in a year. I got to do it and it was on one of the most fun popular verses in the Bible. That Sunday's over. I don't want to do this. I don't want to preach on these verses. Nobody does. There are a few people that get really excited about these. They've written lots of books, and they've had lots of talks in smoky rooms with people way more intelligent than me on these verses. But I felt very compelled that we couldn't just skip over them. The rookie, the rookie, the rookie... Pastor and me wanted to be like, yeah, we'll catch those when I'm 40 or I'm 45. And you guys are here, and I've been in the Word of God a lot longer, and I've been doing this preaching thing a lot longer. Uh, Guess what? Though, they're here, and we got to go over them. So I'm going to pray right now because, God, man, I'm freaked out about this. This isn't like those that have don't understand what these verses are saying, or those that have never even heard these words before, those that have not know what I'm about ready to get into. Buckle up. Those that have already got their mind made up on what you think about these verses, good for you. I'm not here to try to change it. Um, let's pray. Lord, um, these verses have left thousands and thousands and thousands of people confused uh, and argumentative and, and divided uh, for a long, long, long time. But I'm going to trust you that you put them in your word because you knew what you were doing and i'm trusting that god and i'm not going to skip over them simply just because they're difficult so by the power of your spirit lord may we look at truth today may we just sit here and not try and twist it not try to conform it not try to make it feel comfy or better let us just wade through this deep thought lord that you gave paul long long ago So in your name we pray amen in the book of romans The book of Romans is arguably the greatest book written in Scripture written by a gentleman named Paul Paul used to be called Saul Saul was known as the great one he came to know Jesus and now he's known as the little one great infomercial to come know Jesus right think about the infomercial that Scripture gives to know Jesus right what would Peter do Peter to be up hello my name is Peter before I met Jesus I was a commercial fisherman doing quite well then I met Jesus I sold everything and I died By burning on a cross you should come to Jesus too hi my name is Saul before I met Jesus I was a very successful law-making lawyer essentially but but like a religious lawyer I was very powerful I was very prestigious people knew me all over then I came to know Jesus I got shipwrecked got bit by a snake I was thrown in prison I was stoned a couple times I was left for dead I didn't have food and ultimately I died you know on house arrest in Rome like you should come to Jesus, too. You know, hi, my name is John the Baptist. My head got cut off and put on a platter. You should come to Jesus, too. You know, like, so, like, the, like dude, if you read Scripture, you got to be like, whoa, man, this coming to know Jesus thing is pretty legit. So here's Paul writing the book of Romans to the church in Rome. Remember, he wrote this book because the church in Rome was divided, It was divided among the old traditional Christians that wanted church to be a certain way, right? They got really angry when you messed with their carpet color. Or they got really angry when you messed with their organ or the way they do music or how they do communion, right? And we sit there and laugh, but guess what? We will be these people, just give us seven days. We will get wound up in this church about how we set up the chairs or how we don't or how we have music or, oh, heaven forbid we ever get one of those large TVs up there so we don't have this anymore and, oh, we're going digital and, oh, man, I don't know, you name it, we're going to get frustrated about something. Do we have to have food every week that really puts a burden on somebody? You know, do we have to have, you know, only the cool kids get invited to the missional community group. That's for the cool kids. We can argue about whatever we want to do. You know? And that's what the church in Rome was doing. And Paul wrote this letter to say, knock it off. This is what matters, and what you're arguing about doesn't. So let's make this the foundational piece. And so he wrote this book of Romans with all this incredible deep theology. So that way people will be like, all right, here's what we're working off of, and let's go forward. All right? So last week we were in. Probably the, 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 the greatest chapter in Scripture, Romans 8. It's an unbelievable Scripture passage about spiritual life coming to those that put their faith, hope, and love in Jesus and being renewed in the Spirit and this new life that you can live, right? So this is Romans chapter 8. And then last week we hit the awesome verse, right? The awesome, awesome verse that says, All things work together for good for them that love God and them that are called according to his purpose. And remember we talked about, we, we we misconstrue that verse all the time. We think it says this, all things work out good for them that love God. And so we, we work diligently to come to church, and we work diligently to carry our Bible everywhere we can, and we work diligently to listen to Christian music and pray as much as we can because, man, we don't want our kids to do something bad like listen to ACDC or, you know, dance, slow dance too early, you know, or something, right? Okay. So we, 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 we think that, man, if we love God, if we love God, our 401k will be solid. We won't lose our job. Our children won't rebel and we will have a perfectly behaved golden retriever and an SUV and we'll be a happy American, Right. Right. That's what we think, but that's not what the scripture says. It says all things work together for good. And we made that analogy that those grinding things that we like to forget about in our lives are working for good. And the real glamorous, awesome things are working for good too, right? They both are, right? Some of the glamorous times for me is when I came home from college on Christmas break. Is that not the best? You don't have a job, you don't have responsibilities, everyone's happy to see you, everyone gives you food everywhere you go, it was awesome. For me, now you might have been like, no dude, I had to come home and work for my dad who owns his business, and he, well I don't know. But it was, those times are good. But you know what, I had some real rotten times my freshman year in college where, you know, where I had some real rough professors. Um, I, for the first time ever, got suspended, like not like a detention, like suspended, like I had to leave campus, because in college you live there, so I couldn't be on campus for 24 hours, right, that was kind of a phone call to tell my parents, uh, hey, um, I got kicked off the college campus for 24 hours, right, and I lived 1,500 miles away, so that's kind of hard to go home, right, but... You really shouldn't tack dead fish onto the girls' dorm message board. Doesn't work out very well. And then brag about it. I could have got away, but my mouth is way too big. Way, I could have got away, but I bragged about it. Don't do that, okay? Okay. Do you feel that I'm stalling right now getting into these verses? Yes, here we go. Okay. So last week we talked about all things work together for good, for them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. And you've got to understand, Christian, that promise is unbelievable. You've got to build your life on that promise. For when you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, you can say, because my Father is good, this is good. And when windfall happens to you and things are awesome, money or health or, you know, grandbabies being born. Oh, by the way, uh, John and Tammy Ham had a little baby girl grandkid today, um, uh, Arwin. Yep. Okay, Arwin is his name. So, yep. And also, last Sunday, we prayed for Bernice's daughter, Betty, right? Because she was losing her eyesight and they'd been working on it for like two months, trying to figure it out. You want to know something pretty crazy? Around 9:30 on Sunday morning last week, a doctor called and said we figured it out. You have a blood condition. We can treat it. And she's been taking medication, and her eyesight stopped losing, and she went back to work. So, I don't know what we were doing at 9:30 last Sunday, but we were, I think we were praying for Betty. Pretty rad. And like you know, and here's the thing: that's awesome. But it's also awesome when it's really tough and it's, the prayers aren't working. Because there's a lot of you in here that have gone through health things, and you've had loved ones gone through health things, and you have thrown prayer after prayer after prayer. Right? We got Billy pointed to his head back there. Billy's standing up, hanging on to one of his kids, and he had how large was that thing taken out of your head? Wow! Is there anything else up there left? No, not much. May, We love Billy. That's so cool. And we prayed for Billy. And and we just said all things work together. So I had fun preaching through those verses last week. This week, I have my notes out for a reason. These are big words. Foreknowledge, predestination, those are big words. And people much smarter than me have been arguing over these words For way longer than I've been alive so I am NOT about ready to sit here and try to convince you of anything or say that I know what I'm talking about I'm saying that I read the scriptures I got on my knees and said Lord I'm gonna be talking about this I looked at what a lot of other people have to say and I put together this So these are big words and my first notes you ready for this my first notes here are this this is above my pay grade that's what my first notes say but then I went forward Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says that we have a calling and we have a purpose right that's what it says and verse 29 and verse 30 help us with this verse 29 unfolds the purpose and verse 30 unfolds the call these are large words okay Foreknowledge and predestination. I'll tell you a little bit about the predestination word first, okay? Do you know what predestined actually means? It means that God has chosen, chosen some, chosen some that will accept his love. And there are people that really struggle with that. There's me, I really struggle with that. Okay, because because it, it's not fair. Let's just get over this right now. It is, what God is doing here is not fair. And he follows it up in Romans chapter 9. Paul does. You ready for this? There's these two characters in the Bible. They're twins. Their names are Jacob and Esau. they were twins. They were Isaac's boys. And before they were born, Paul says, God chose one and he didn't choose the other before they did anything this isn't based off of merit okay you can kinda look at the creation account and look at uh, Cain and Abel and say well that's kinda based off of works right one did what God wanted him to do and the other one didn't and then the one that didn't get God's favor went and killed the one that did have God's favor that was quite the sibling story you think that your children are bad you think your children are bad think about this Adam and Eve were created perfect. They were created perfect. And their kids killed each other. What? That's how effective sin is right off the bat. Right? That's how effective sin is right off the bat. But this story in chapter 9 of Romans of Jacob and Esau, they're not even born yet. And Paul uses very strong language. It says, God loved, loved Jacob and hated Esau. I don't know about you, but I'm not cool with a God like that. Me personally. I have some words with my father in heaven about that. And I throw a little tantrum like my son does sometimes, like my daughters do sometimes, like I did when I was a son. And what do I say? That's not fair. Ever done that as a kid? Ever had your kids do that? And what do you say? Life's not fair. (laughs) Do you parents like read that in a manuscript somewhere? Every parent reads that says that. Life's not fair, Marcus. You know? Or how about this one? I don't, why? Why, dad? Why? 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 Why, dad? Because I said so. How many have said that one before and had that one said at you? I do not understand what our Heavenly Father is driving at here with these verses. But what I hear is, because I said so, and life's not fair. Bless you. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. So this word predestined actually means that he predetermined The destination of some versus others. Predestined. Get where that guts in there? I don't like that word. Let's go back to foreknowledge. I don't like predestined word at all. I thought, okay, foreknowledge. That's an easy one. Well, that's easy. That just means God knows the future. I'm cool with that. Are you cool with that? Yeah. Foreknowledge. It just means God looks down the hallway of future and knows what's going to happen because he's God. Uh, that is not what that word means, and I've thought it's what that word means. My, I even went to Bible school for four years. That is not what this word means. This does not mean that God looks down the corridor of the future and says, I know who will choose me and who won't. That sits okay with me. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with God saying, yeah, I look forward in time, and I know every decision that you will make and so therefore I know who will choose me and who won't so I'm okay with that predestination because I still feel like it isn't unfair it's just that God knows do you know what this word for knowledge means there's a word called no in the scripture we have this word called no in English right and no can mean a lot of things I know Tom Brady but does that mean that I know Tom Brady? No, it means I know of him. So do you. But none of us know Tom Brady, right? I know a few of the athletes that are in Olympics right now over in Sochi. I know them actually more than I know Tom Brady. You can actually go to one of the Olympians over there and say, Hey, dude, you know Marcus? He's like, Oh, yeah, that kid. I remember skiing with him when we were younger. You know, so I know them a little bit more than I know Tom Brady. And then... There's Jesse. I know Jesse. Yeah, you know him too, don't you? We all know Jesse, but I know Jesse better than anyone but one in this room. I think mom knows him even better than me. Um, I know. See the difference? There was three different no's right there. And in Scripture, there's a lot of different no's. One no comes to us the first time we see it. Is when Adam and Eve are kicked out of the garden. And the scripture says. Adam knew Eve. And they conceived a son. Wow. (laughs) That's really getting to know somebody. When that happens. You really know them then. You know what's kind of creepy? That's this same knowledge. God foreknew. Could be translated God For loved. This is a relational no. This is not a situational no. And I always thought it was a situational no. Like he knows all the decisions that you will make. He looks in the future. No, 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 no. It's he for loved. For loved. And this word for knowledge... People call it the golden link. I like, my analogy is this. It's the golden domino. Okay? It's the golden domino. Look at your passage on the front of your thing here. All right? And think about these big words like dominoes. For whom he foreknew, domino one, kick it over. He also predestined. That knocked over domino two. To be conformed to the image of his son. That's domino three, conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many nations. Moreover, he, those he predestined, that's a, still the same domino, he also called. That's another domino. Those he called, he justified. Justified is another domino. And those he justified, he also glorified. Another domino. None of those dominoes happened. Guess what? I like glorification. Oh, yeah. Have you ever won something? Have you ever had something go super well for you and it just welled up inside of you just a scream of just yo! Yeah! I mean that's glorification is what it is, right? You're like, "We are the champions." You know, I bet the Eagles felt pretty good on Sunday night, right? I mean, a, a dirty city that's always fighting all of a sudden is like a kind of a nice place. They're like, "Woohoo, we're all together," you know? Um, all I had was cheese and steak before this. I got off my notes. It's a domino effect. And it all starts with four knowledge, four loving. And I don't understand my father. I love him, but I don't understand him. If you've ever seen the Chronicles of Narnia, or if you've ever read the books, Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis tries to tackle this about God. And that's the end of The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. And Lucy and Mr. Tumnus are standing on the porch of Care Paravelle. The palace has now been set straight The four kings and queens, the sons and daughter of Eve and Adam, are on their throne. And Narnia has finally broken winter. Why would they want to do that? I don't know. I love winter. But anyway, they've broken winter. And the party is rocking. Everyone's so excited. And there's Lucy standing on the porch, looking out over Narnia. And she sees Aslan, the character who plays God and Jesus walking across the beach heading into the deep dark forest away and she starts to worry she starts to fear because her hope her security it's 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 leaving it's kind of it's 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 separating itself sort of and mr tumness who's a little wiser than lucy comes up next to her and she says and he says don't don't be afraid don't worry And then he says this absolute beautiful line. He says, Aslan is not safe, but he is good. In other words, he's wild. You cannot tame him. Aslan is not a household cat. He's a full lion. And you want them to be a full lion. Because what's a household cat going to do when something really comes push to shove? They're going to climb a tree. woo And the, then we have to call the fire department. Ah. But Oslan is a legit lion. And you don't want him to be tame. You want him to be wild. But you cannot just pull these pieces of Scripture out of the full context of Scripture. Because if I would just read this, all I would think is life ain't fair. Why do we even struggle to tell other people about Jesus? Because if God has already chosen the ones that will accept him and the ones that won't, why am I suffering ridicule? People making fun of me because I believe in Jesus. Why am I coming up here and grinding through getting a church together and figuring out all the details of it and stressing about it? And Why are we doing all this? Because in the end, you're just going to choose him or not because he predestined you long ago. Right? There's other passages of scripture that are in the Word of God that you cannot just jump over. The most famous being John 3 16, for God so loved the world. It doesn't say he so for so loved some, or it doesn't say <coughs> he for loved the chosen in that one. It said he for so loved the world, right? And you know what it ends with? That none shall perish. He doesn't want any to perish. The next verse in 17 says, He didn't come to the world to condemn it, but to save it. In 2 Timothy, Timothy, Paul, the same writer that wrote this, says, The Lord is not willing that any should perish. That they should come to Him in repentance. So there are other scriptures in there that try to, to help us understand that somehow God has chosen those who will come to Him and who won't, but also that His love is available to all. And here's what's happening right now. Yours and my mind should kind of go, what? How is that possible? How are you able to choose people who will come to you and who won't, but yet you say your love's available to all? Well, we're doing what the psalmist said not to in Psalms chapter 50. This is what the psalmist says in Psalms chapter 50. He said, your problem is that you thought God was like you. We do that. We try to put God on our dimension, on this 3D reality, right? Did anyone see the opening ceremony of the Olympics? Did you hear the announcer talk about augmented reality? What she was saying was, hey, by the way, you watching this on TV, you're seeing something that the people in real life can't see because it's augmented reality through digital media. Did you see that? And there was like this crazy weird star globe over the stage where the kids let go of those things and they went up and they like it looked like they let go of a star and it floated up and it hit this thing of stars and it, whoa, this thing of stars enveloped the stadium. I was like, oh, imagine seeing that for real life. I just thought there were drones or something. Then the lady just totally ruined my excitement. She's like, the people in the stadium cannot see this. This is augmented reality. And I'm like, oh, whoa. That's what God is. We're the people in the stadium. And God is seeing something and doing something that we just really can't wrap our head around. The scripture says we see as if through a piece of glass that's cloudy. We see as if through a mirror that's foggy. And we... Can make out some silhouettes and we can make out some truths and we can make out some things and praise the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit we can make out even more because he's come to guide us and he's come to comfort us and we can look into that mirror and we can look through that glass and we can hmm we don't see clearly the scripture says that there is coming a day when I leave this earthly carcass behind You like that word? It's a great word, isn't it? When I shed this carcass and I head home to be my heavenly father. There's a documentary in Maine, right, called Dead River Rough Cut. It's a great, great movie. And there's some awesome, awesome, awesome wisdom in this movie. And one of them, he goes, I don't care who you are. I don't care how much money you got. When the old man comes down and taps you on the shoulder, you're going with him just the same. That's some good theology right there. No matter what kind of money you got. doesn't matter what you've done here on earth. When the old man comes down and taps you on the shoulder, you're going with him just the same. You know? And I have no idea where I was going with that, but it was awesome. Oh, when we get to where we're going... The scripture says we will know even as we are fully known. In other words, we will see with God's eyes. He knows everything about you. He knows more about you than you know about yourself. He fully knows you. When we get to heaven, we'll know what he knows. I hope you'll still want to be my husband when you get there. Imagine that. Imagine being able to look. Imagine being able to look with God's eyes. I'd be like, oh my word? Okay. Oh, alright. I didn't need to know that about you. I was glad that I could see you in human eyes back then, you know. But we'll be in heaven, so there won't be any of that. We'll all have Jesus' glory, because we'll, He's done it for us, and He will get His glory, which will be nice. Okay. So back to the hardest verses. Here's the deal. God is telling us that He has four love He's forechosen, predestined means that he has determined. But in all of this, somehow, he's given us free will, the Bible says. The Bible lays out this beautiful story of this person named Adam and Eve. (laughs) They weren't robots. God let them make decisions. He even put something in the middle of the garden that would make them make a decision. I always read the scripture and be like, God, why did you even put that there? Who needs that just remove, you know, it's like how I parent you probably parent like this, right? If you don't want your kid doing something, what do you do you just remove it from the situation? It's just easier instead of saying don't touch that and then leaving the room. That's ridiculous It's gonna be touched as soon as you leave Didn't God know that? You know But he, 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 he didn't create robots He gave us choice so we still have a choice in this matter. How all that works, I don't know. Have you ever laid in your bed and tried to like try to think about, try to like put your mind around eternity? Have you ever done that? It hurts, don't it? It hurts. It's the same way when I try to understand foreknowledge and predestination. How do I have a choice but yet God already knows what I'm going to choose or God already has predestined where I'm going and I still have a choice? I don't know how he does that, but he's God. And I maybe this is just the easy way out. Come back when I'm 45 and I've studied this for a lot longer or talk to people that have studied it longer. Come back when I'm 55, maybe I'll have a little bit more of a less cop-out answer. But right now, I'm going to say, because Dad said so. <laughs> right? Can you see us? We're just kids talking, right, in our room. And we're going to talk in our room and be like, well, why? Why? I'm like, I don't know. This is what Dad said. <laughs> Guess I, You know what? I love dad, you know, I trust him, you know. My good buddy over here is growing up, right? And you know what, one of the things that I think moms have it hurt their heart more than dad's, as they grow up, they begin to trust you less. They just do. But what I've learned now that I have kids, I've begun to trust my parents more. It like comes around, you know. But there was a time. There was a time, you remember when we hiked the bomber site for your birthday? I think he was three. Blair and Jesse share same birthday week, and we lots of times go hiking because Blair likes to go hiking. And we went up to the bomber site, the one that I preached about last week, and there's a big rock on the way down, right? A lot bigger than you think. It's, 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 it's about as high as that speaker right there. And that three-year-old, not even like a second you need to, I said, go for it, and he just, boom, off that rock right into my hands, right? As they get older, it gets a little bit more difficult. They were on top of the roof the other day. I'm like, yeah, do it, bro. Jump. He's like, yeah, right, old man. You kidding me, dude? Right? And Christ, God, is asking for our childlike faith, not our analytical, cynical, adult faith. He's asking for our childlike faith. If you haven't seen the movie The Shack, it's really incredible. You can think whatever you want about it. I don't know. People get weirded out by its theology. It's a made-up story. Some guy made it up. But there is this scene where he's talking to this character named Wisdom. And it is extremely, extremely powerful. Because essentially he's arguing with God. And God finally gets off the throne says, There you go. (laughs) You sit over there. And the guy's like, no, 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 no. And then God says this beautiful line, you just don't believe I'm good. That's your problem. And I find with me, all my doubts, all my issues with Scripture boil down to, I don't believe God's good. And what was the first sin? (laughs) The first sin was Eve saying, hmm. Maybe he has withheld something good from me. Isn't that what we thought as teenagers? Right? Right? Why did you do that thing even though your mom told you not to? Because you thought your mom was withholding good from you. Right? But then you dealt with those consequences and you're like, no, mom was right, but you'd never tell her. Right? Or maybe you were like a person like me. And I had my first experience with deep sin. And it felt good. Real good. So I really thought my mom was a liar. And I began to go down that road. That's a road I didn't wish I went down. Right? God is good. And we must put our faith in that. Even when he uses big words like foreknowledge predestined. Jesus, we thank you so much for this time that we can look into this this morning. Lord, I have a hard time understanding these passages of Scripture, but you you understand them, and you wrote them for a purpose. Help us, God, by the power of your Spirit to understand you, Father. Help us to put our faith, hope, and love in you, Even when we feel like you're not being good to us, help us to trust in that. It's your name, we pray. Amen. Hey.